The Magic Book Club Podcast. You are listening to the Magic Book Club podcast. Hello, congratulations. Well done for downloading one of the finest podcasts out there. Uh, my name's Tom Price, and this is a very special episode indeed because we have a brilliant... You are so lucky. Hang on, let me get to the end of the sentence. Let me go. I'm so lucky because this wonderful comedian... But, I mean, comedian, is that almost on the back burner now, Jenny Eclair? Because, boy, can you write books. Oh, I can write books. Well, who knew? Oh, I can do a joke. Oh, I can write a book. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the well, the stand-up's been on the back burner since, um, for the time being. Though, of course, you know, because the grass is always greener, I'm now desperate to be on the road. I've missed touring um, so much. But then, as soon as I'm touring, I feel very sorry for myself and I yeah. just want to be at home, you know, in my study writing... And I think the best thing for me is to do sort of six months or a year on, six months, a year off, something like that. So how long does it take you to write one of these books? Um, one of these, this is my fifth, so you'd yeah. think I knew, I'd know what I was doing by now, and I really, really don't. I mean, it always shocks me when I see a physical kind of thing in the end, and this is a big beast. I mean, it it's is, a big inheritance. Chunky. Yeah, it's a, it's a slab of a book. It's, um, it really is, yeah. You know, it, it's not a novella. It's it's a proper thing. So that it is always a bit surprising that 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 they kind of turn into these physical things because there's always a, a point where, you know, that really might not happen mm. because I don't plot. Um, I've never been able to plot a book before I've started writing one. Oh wow! And that either surprises people or you meet people who um, also write like that. I mean, the world of authors does... De- oh, the world of authors, she says, in a rather smug kind of way. <laughs> Someone's oh. been to a party. Oh, I'm oh, wearing a velvet a hat. A oh, I've got a cape on. <laughs> um, and um, But I think that apparently the world of authors, I'm not actually really allowed in because I haven't got, even got an English degree. I've got a D in my... Oh, I've got an E. I've got a D for art, E for English. Right. Um, I just made no effort at all. <laughs> Uh, Would was... you not be tempted to have another go at that then? No, because I'd probably get an E again. Yeah, it'd be good though, wouldn't it? It'd be fun to watch. <laughs> um, well, they, also, you know, you have to. I had to read um, Dickens' Bleak House, and I just didn't get round to it till the night before. And it's about seven hundred pages. It's a biggie, you know. That is a terrifying. Yeah. That, that's that's the stuff on which nightmares are made. I still sometimes oh. dream, you know, <laughs> not going into this exam, not really knowing who the lead characters are. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, I set off in these books. I'd, this one had a weird beginning because I'd thought about it a couple of years ago and had gone off down a very odd tangent. And um, But I knew that there was the, the basis of a, a book was there and I knew that it was had to be centred in a house in Cornwall. And so, Why? Why did you know that? Um, because it's a feeling in your waters. I've always had the house first. Mm. And um, so where I'd gone wrong is I'd gone down a character story rather than sort of finding out what happened in the house. I've used houses throughout, and I think that that is the one link between the books, is that they are very set in places. In places, um, uh, interiors are very important to me, much more so, I think, than a lot of writers, possibly not so much now, but in the olden days, it was all um, describing the fields and the trees and the wheat and the, you know, barley, yes. whatever. Yeah. And I am much more interested in, you know, the contents of a kitchen cupboard or, you know, what's hanging on uh, a coat rack and that yeah. sort of thing. So I have to know my interiors very, very well. You have to build the world from that sort yeah, of detail. Yeah, it's like playing yeah. doll's houses when you're very small, I suppose, you know, and mm. then you put the people in the houses and then you go, oh, my goodness, I didn't expect that to happen. Have you read The Doll Factory? Um, which one? Brenny Br- 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 Elizabeth McNeil. Why do I know the... I know the... 
I know the title so it's, well. It's only just come out in the yes, last few months. Yes, that's right. Fantastic. It's a great title as well, isn't it? Oh, I, my God. It's got the word doll in it. Yeah, I really yeah. like. I'm on board. Um, but it is built up from that, that uh, Victorian Gothic kind of thing. Gothic, it's not quite Gothic, but it's built in that world. And the, the, Is it a doll museum or a doll factory? Doll factory, that's oh, where it starts. And, uh, but it's all around central London. It's all sort of, you know, you've got um, Victorian uh, uh, kids wandering around all these streets, which we know so well. And it's through the detail, which uh, Elizabeth McNeil knows a lot about, because she did like a PhD in Victorian clutter. What an yeah. amazing topic. Yeah. And she takes us back. And, and Pipes. You, yeah, and yeah. Filled collars and, the, yes, hankies. I want to be taken down all these tangents. But knowing that I'm in in good hands with a writer, yeah. and you do that, you do that brilliantly, Jenny. Because you, you hands. you say brave hands, because you no, but you fill the world of you fill my brain with all these tiny details, and yet I'm loving the character and the drive and all those things. That's right. It is. It's really nice to hear, especially sort of from a bloke, because I I do very much think that most of my work is directed at women. All my audiences have been very female. Um, and, you know, my solo stand-up, I look out and it's like a school reunion and I went to an all-girls school. Mm. And then the same with the grumpy old women shows. They are 90% female in the audience and the 2% male, we call them the designated drivers because they are basically <laughs> there, especially in the regions. You know, they've taken four women, given, given them a lift and they've got to stay stone-cold sober. Sitting on their phones. And, <laughs> yeah, take these women home as they cackle and redo the show, you know. Um, so... Yeah, uh, interior is very important. It is the world of middle-class women. I mean, I'm, I do come from that sort of background, though I'm not middle-middle-class. I come from a northern middle-class, northern middle-class army, which is a slightly different class of its own yeah. because it's a little bit more rickety-rackety than uh, northern middle-class normally is. So your dad was in the army? My dad was in the army. Right. My mother would have been a t- <laughs> terrible soldier. <laughs> Actually, no, she wouldn't because she's incredibly stoic, but she's quite disabled. Um but, yeah, she'd been very brave. Um, my dad was mad brave and sort of, you know, did some quite extraordinary things and things that I didn't know about. And we got chucked out of Berlin and things. So I think he got a bit close to the wire on occasions. Oh he God. stuck his nose into places he wasn't exactly meant to. And hang on, but to, to not get too uh, uh, diverted by this, have, this has it, have you covered this in any books? No, um, no I've used the army. In uh, moving, I gave... Um, a young woman, uh, a military boyfriend. Mm. That was, and suddenly, yes, the, the world is, even though you're writing at a different time from when I knew a military world, which is in the 60s in Berlin, I found it quite easy to... The internet is a brilliant tool as well. I mean, there's a great deal of, of background information you can pick up for things. And, and you don't need to go too deep to, to give somebody a military bearing. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I have used... I, I actually based that character on as a sort of kind of spy military kind of chap called Crispin somebody or other in intelligence and I sort of yeah <laughs> I, I nicked a bit of him. Um, so who have you nicked in Inheritance then? Who I are don't you know whether I've really nicked anybody in this one. I think that my sisters always uh, think that I've I've stolen some of her life and I actually haven't. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I did steal her house. She had a house in Kennington Road some years ago, which she doesn't live in anymore, but I did steal that for um, the fourth novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll own up now. There's a hotel 
in Foy in Cornwall called yes. Foy Hall Hotel. I've been there. I've stayed there. Yeah, well, that was where the germ of Kitty Wake came. Oh, wow. Okay. That it was a, I, but I redecorated it. I've done it lemon mm. yellow. Okay. I've stuccoed it, painted mm-hmm. it yellow and thrown a load of wisteria up it. Have you got rid of these 6,000 families with their kids on holiday there? Um, I have totally removed them because it's no longer, at this point, a hotel. Um, it's it's gone back into family hands, yeah, and so basically the story is um, about a house in Cornwall, which just so happens to once upon a time have been uh, belonged to an American heiress. A tragedy happened there. The house comes through the family, uh, is has various uh, reincarnations, and then it becomes a family home again. There's a big fiftieth birthday party going to be held there, and it's the story is of everything in between from 1950 to this um 90, to this 50th birthday party which is uh held on a bank holiday in August 2018. Okay. And it takes in um it takes in unhappy relationships and and sort of it's about nature it's about nurture it's about the cuckoo in the nest it's about blood and money and who belongs where. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. We got. We, we probably got the cell then, didn't we? That was the proper cell. <laughs> was that the proper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? No, yes, I loved yeah. that. Well, it's sort of. A, it's really difficult to put it in a nutshell because it's is mm. a, quite a sprawling book. It's a, yeah. It's it's a, my first attempt at a at a, a family saga. It's a proper old fashioned family saga. E- yes. You know, with the big house, yeah. with the something terrible that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, dark. You go. I mean, the thing that happened. Let's not give it away now. No spoilers on this podcast. But you go pretty. You know, it's. How was that for you, writing those things? I don't think I could have written it if it had ever happened to me. It's a bit like, uh, you know, children really like Harry Potter and uh, and books about boarding schools because they don't go. So they like the idea of it, but, yeah. you know, not the actual reality for themselves. So I think as uh, an element that people... It's a, it's a horrible thing to admit to, but I do think that... Um, particularly middle-aged women quite like reading about other people's disasters... Because it makes them think, well, thank God that hasn't happened to me. So mm. it's a sort of, it's we're quite mawkish as a as a group of people. I yes. particularly myself am anyway. So there's a kind of horror. There's a delicious horror in yeah, yeah, other yeah. people's Schadenfreude. A good bit it's, of Schadenfreude yeah, yeah. is but always it's, fun. It's, at this point, it's not really Schadenfreude because she had she had. Well, has she done the mother done anything? Oh, what, I don't want to give too much away. There's a, but there is a lot of bad mothering in this book. There's mm. a lot of toxic mothering. There's a lot of mothers who don't know how to mother. Yeah. And then there's a mother who's really doing her best and she's stuck in, this is this sort of present-day mother, Belle, yeah. who is one of our main narrators, and she's stuck in Clapham in a house with too many coats um, with her two sons who have not moved out and show no sign of ever moving out. Mm. You know, that's a very Brexit Britain, South London Thing that you yes. know, I, I think <laughs> loads of people. Yeah, fly the nest, fly the nest. Just go, Come go on. now, and they've got nowhere to go. They can't afford to go anywhere. Yeah, um, I love that moment there with the too many coats, and that's a great illustration of what you do, Jenny, both in your stand-up and in your brilliant novels. It's the tiniest observation: too many coats, and yet as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh my god, my wife goes on about the coats all the time. Yeah, like, it's just great. You're you're accumulating all these things that we didn't know we'd observed, but we have, and, you, and it, it gives it that grounding to make these books so readable. Well, I think that stand-up, uh, having always been a sort of, you know, I am an observational stand-up. That was always my title. So it's not really the biggest surprise ever that you take some of those skills mm. uh, into writing a book. And, it, you know, it is watching, it is looking, it, it is living those lives. It's, 
Um, it's about being in the supermarket with women who are having tiny meltdowns. Yeah. I mean, Belle, uh, on her the supermarket trip that we see her at very early on in the book, you know, she's just been for a blood pressure um, <laughs> test. And they and this happened to me where they, they decide to give you a 24-hour test. Have you ever had it done? No, not you, 24 they, hour one. they strap you up with this um, blood pressure thing, monitor for 24 hours and you have to go about your daily business and, and sort of every 10 minutes it just or every half an hour it goes and it yeah. starts puffing it gives you a blood pressure yes. thing and of yeah. course you know you think you're going to have a slight stroke <laughs> it's, the almost, it's the worst feeling in the world it is i honestly well because i've got obviously i'm on medication now because my blood pressure is so high and the higher your blood pressure is, the more the cuff pinches. Right. And I was God. once with a doctor who was taking my blood pressure, and I thought he was taking the piss. <laughs> and I just thought he'd lost control of the blood pressure oh, machine. No. And I threw a punch at him. <laughs> and I kind of went, because it was hurting so much. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's about the minutiae of that life, but it's got quite a, pic- a bigger picture behind. Yeah. And then there's another little backstory that sort of belongs to the middle mm. of everything. What I love as well, the idea of the house thing, this is quite a British thing, I guess, when you think of that sort of middle-class emblem, the icon of having a big house, you think that means a belonging. A big house equals belonging. Mm-hmm. And yet when you look at Belle, the main character, there's an issue with her belonging, isn't there? There is the cuckoo in the nest thing. She doesn't really belong. Right. So She's, I, I, she's a very much, I mean, she is a, she's more than a cuckoo in the nest. She has no blood. Mm. She, has, she, ha, she, shares no, she hasn't got the right blood. And you, is that something that fascinates you? I mean, with the dad, you know, did, he, did your dad move around a lot as a, nor, as a no, military man? No, we moved man? around uh, quite a lot. But um, did I ever feel like I didn't belong? Uh, I always had a very much... Come from a very sort of sense of family, family. So you know that my family are very, very boring. <laughs> you know, my mum and dad were together until my dad died, mm. and you know, my mother is still. I, you know, there's no trauma really. In every, my dad died when he was ninety. You know, it wasn't. I I miss him, but I do not grieve for him because God, it was time he'd had enough. Mm. Um, my mother's now ninety, and I'd be devastated if anything happened to her. But you know, I know it will. Um, I am very—I am a catastrophist, so I'm fear of my own happiness all the time. Yes, which is, I think, why another reason why I write books because it gives you an element of control over other people's lives that you don't have over your own. Mm. I have no control over my own happiness, my own destiny, my own um, because I don't know what could go wrong in the next ten minutes. Yeah. I have a daughter that I love too much, absolutely, and I adore my partner, and you know. My daughter can be 10 minutes late from a hair appointment and, you know, when she's meant to be meeting me. And I I will be on the floor praying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even believe in God. Hence why the blood pressure yeah, is spiking. Yeah, yeah, so, so, so this book is a sort of trauma tourism, but also it's, <laughs> it's control, <laughs> isn't it? It's are you oh, exerting control. Borrow that. Trauma tourism <laughs> is a great... <laughs> It's a great genre. Let's have a new genre, <laughs> tra- trauma tourism. Lovely. But that's what we love, isn't it? That's what we I do it. think that there's an element of, of that. And, um, you know, it's there but for the, the grace of God go I. Mm. And it's the mistakes people make. And, the, in, and also there's quite a lot about class in the 1970s and how men behave to women and what they could get away with and that sort of thing. And just... Um, as I say, quite a lot of bad mothering. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it jump, it, it dots around as well, as yeah. do you, if I may say so, Jenny. This really is really sorry about this that. Is, no, no, we love that. I mean, but that is 
That is the brain of a stand-up. I'm, I know I've done stand-up myself, yeah. and our brains are designed to just be constantly flitting around. And but you, I'm c- a really writerly stand-up. Sometimes when people say you're a stand-up, I feel this kind of slight blush of shame where I go, mm, I'm not really a stand-up. <laughs> I'm a writer-performer. Yeah, okay. I never went on stage without having a script in my head. So it was like a monologue you were doing? Yeah, yeah, in some respects. It, it, was, it was structured like stand-up, but it mm. was always very written. I started as a punk poet, so I started with poetry. Okay. So writing was always very much there at the top, you know, as the most important thing. Yeah. And then um, it's only in recent years with the last show, which was How to Be a Middle-Aged Woman, open brackets, without going insane, close brackets, where I forced myself in the middle of it to do a 10-minute... Um, bit of improvisation with the audience. I'd never done it before. How was it? It was great because I had such a sort of um, a, a safety net with all the other material that it was only this little 10-minute chunk yeah. that needed sort of free flow. And if it wasn't going to work, then if I took it out, it didn't really... Well, it did, actually. But... Um, no, it really taught me a lot, but I was 55 before I started <laughs> well, doing you know, it. It's a good run-up to get yeah, to that yeah, point. Yeah. But do you find that you are, when you're writing parts of this book, you're, you know, you've said right at the beginning of this that you are, you, you know, as we call it, a pantser. You either fly by the seat of your pants when you write books or you, you plot it out. So I you are a pantser. pantser was like a, a military kind of, it's a tank, isn't the tank, it? The, the yeah. pan, there's a panzer, there's the panzer. <laughs> yeah. But you are, you are improvising your way through great swathes respects, of this book. And yes, it's, it's a very frustrating way of doing things. I don't recommend it. I'd love to be a writer that had a, a, you know, a whiteboard or a load of post-it notes behind them yeah. um, to guide you along the way. But... It's it's almost like a smell. It's like a, a flavor, like a, a kind of atmosphere, and it's it is the house. As soon as something happens in the house, okay, why has that happened? Who are these people around it? What are the consequences of this? It's always for me. It's a bit like throwing a stone in a pond. How do the ripples affect everything else? Where does this go to? Mm. And it is. There's always an element as well of being quite young, like a seven year old, writing a story for a school. Thing, you know. How do you mean? You feel silly doing it? Or? No, no, just uh, being allowed to do what you like. Right. I went. I was quite fortunate uh, when I was very young and I went to a very um, progressive school. My first school was uh, in Berlin, was a very progressive um, international school where there was we just did a lot of drawing around each other and writing stories and then illustrating stories and you were really encouraged to do, you know, whatever you liked. Mm. And I, I really liked that. And then it was very much... Um, in fact, I remember then I went to a, a school in the UK and it was a lot more kind of tight and oh, everything was very tight. It was northern and everyone was, oh, it was all very tight. Yeah. And But I, I wrote a, an essay about killing a, a, a giant squid uh, <laughs> when I was about 10 and that went on the wall. <laughs> And I and I punched the squid in the eye. That's how you kill them. <laughs> That's you, how you get the squid. You brain damage them through the eyeball. Oh, good to the know. Eye socket. So if you ever ever need to kill a giant squid, can you imagine? Punch it. Yeah, I'm, I'm someone, 10 years old, but I know how to kill a squid. If someone's taking that on, if someone's about to get killed by a giant squid, and they, their lives are saved by I listening know. to Jenny Eclair yeah, on Yeah, I know. The 10-year-old Jenny Eclair. Punch <laughs> it in the eyeball. Um, and, that, and that was on the on the wall and that really thrilled me as well that I, I didn't really like writing but then I liked showing off just as much yeah when you show off is when you show off in your writing and that's wonderful you, you know you get the sense that you are that you know that the writer of this stuff is enjoying themselves and then you enjoy it with them because these characters are great and this as you say, the saga, the yeah. scale of it and is and there's monsters there, and the, you know a lot of my women are grotesque they are monsters they mm. are not 
nice women. Men don't do too well either. There's a few quite well, annoying I men. Think I, well, I think I sort of disagree with you because I think Benedict is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I think he's mm. a genuinely sweet, sweet man. Mm. And I think mm. Belle's husband, Andrew, he's a little bit passive mm. and he's got Just... terrible ingrown toenails. And all <laughs> <laughs> he's always got a little bit of cardboard tucked down his toe <laughs> trying to retrain his toenail out. But... That's just made me scream. <laughs> I've probably had to readjust that. But he is, he's, he's a, he's a kind man he loves Belle yeah how do you keep track of it all when you are writing these books that does is, your office look like that of a serial killer no it? it's but that is the hardest thing that is where again underwater sea creatures come in that's like wrestling with an octopus because you go oh well hold on she was at school there so she can't get a train into Victoria because it doesn't go into does it go into Victoria oh, oh god wow. uh, and then yeah, there's a lot of logic things that you have to fight with and you have to... I have a, a kind of... It, no, there's no paper on the floor, obviously, because it's all done on a on a desktop computer. Yeah. So I have a, a file with notes open all the time, right. just reminding me how old everybody is, where they live, yeah. and all that sort of thing. You're like an FBI investigator. Well, just I with these sort of I, fact <laughs> sheets of everyone, there, like their mug shot and all this a, sort of stuff. a little bit of that in the family. Um, <laughs> so it's... Um, no, it's, it's a weird one. It really is. And, it, and then suddenly you're kind of rolling down the other side of the hill. It's a really hard slog until mm. about halfway through. Then you go, oh, gosh, there's all sorts of coincidences here that make start to make sense and are knitting this together. I think it is, and I've, I can't knit well enough, but I think, you know, people who knit jumpers and things like that and you've just, just got loads of knitting and yeah. then you start stitching it together and you go, oh, wow, that's a cardigan. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you impressed with yourself when that happens? When the, oh, that wow. happens, I sometimes have to sit back and breathe because I think I can't believe that actually knitted together like that. Yeah. I can't believe that patch goes matches that. Mm. And that is... The coincidence side of it is quite spooky and makes me feel real, actually, sometimes. I yeah, have to go, ooh, ooh. And, and how do you think the seven-year-old you would feel seeing these books in bookshops now? And this is a, a question I ask all my writers who come on this podcast about that moment when you go into a Warstones or so you didn't make it as an actress then. <laughs> <laughs> God, never happy. Yeah, Because um, the hardback's out now, right? The hardback's out now, and I should yeah. think it'll take six months for the, the softback to come out. Okay. And that's, you know, so much easier for people because it is, hardbacks are expensive. Yeah. Um, there is an Audible available as well. So if you do Audible... And who's and doing the credit, Audible book? Well, it is me, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so really, the actor yeah. is still working! <laughs> Come on! They offered me Tamsin in Greg, and I had this stab of jealousy where I just thought I cannot. <laughs> and I really like Tamsin in Greg; I think she's great, but I could not, and I needed the money. It was quite good money. And I just thought, no, I'm going to do it. Um, so that's annoying of me. So uh, yeah, it depends whether you can bear the sound of my voice or not. But it is on Audible for the, the you know the same price as any credit, and also Kindle, you know. Okay. Okay. And uh, dare I ask this question, where is your brain heading? Now, you said uh, earlier on that you were thinking of going in, back into stand-up yeah. again, do a bit more performances. Yeah. Are you? Do you have another book lined up? Is there I've some egg a, that's growing? No, there really isn't. I mean, okay. it's, that's the other thing. I have this terrible come down after a book comes out. Where I can I, imagine, yeah. Really, really awful, where I behave really badly in <laughs> independent bookshops that aren't stocking it yeah. and have massive fights with women on the street in Dulwich. <laughs> Um, ugly, really ugly stuff, I can't tell you. Absolutely, because there's a, a sort of sudden massive pricking of the bubble because mm. uh, everything's geared up to this and then all of a sudden it just yeah. kind of you just go... <sighs> yeah. um, so 
I have a non-fiction book to finish by the end of September, which is a comedy guide to the menopause. Okay. Which is good fun. I'll um, read that. Yeah, Great. Good for me <laughs> to get, learn a lot. get clued up. Yeah, helpful. Um, and, well, mind you, I don't think anybody will be having the menopause. There's going to be this new procedure where you can put it off for 20 years, which means having your menopause in your 70s. Good luck with that. <laughs> having a hot flush and changing the batteries on your hearing aid. Um, but... That's all very interesting because I do think that actually the future of the menopause is kind of maybe in jeopardy and mm. whether that's a good thing or a terrible thing, I don't know because I know that I'm not, I wouldn't be the woman I am without the menopause. Mm. Um, mm. It's a big moment. Yeah, it's quite a big thing. It's so the idea a, that, that that's being taken away, well, but it's, a, it's people's choices, isn't it? But presumably everyone's going to choose not to have it. Well, it's going to be, it'll never be free on the NHS, so it'll be a two-tier system. It's going to be, you know, all the rich people who don't mm. want to have the menopause and physically can't make their cleaning ladies do it for them will have this procedure Whereas, you know, the bog-standard women will be sweating it out. Wow. There you go. That's a There's that. So anyway, we'll get, thought, that, we'll get the menopause book out before that happens. Great. Come back in for that, won't okay. you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, listen, uh, Jenny and Claire, The Fabulous Inheritance is out now. It is out in hardback. And I hear the uh, the audio version is excellent. Beautifully read. <laughs> get it. Get it in your eyeballs yeah, at do. once. Get it, get it, get or it. Or in your ears. However you want to get it. Ears and eyes at the same time. You can, <laughs> you can listen uh, along with Jenny. <laughs> Reading it to you. Uh, beautiful. Thank you very much indeed. Driving that. <laughs>